Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenAndRoll.com. I am Christian Rivas, joined by Jacob Rude. I'm happy to be back. We did not get to do a trade deadline podcast show like I look forward to every year because there was a spectrum outage in my neighborhood last week. Giant bummer, uh, but not a bad day to be podcasting if you live uh, in the greater Los Angeles area like I do. Um and you got to watch the Rams win a Super Bowl. Spoiler alert, alert if uh, <laughs> you recorded the game. I've never understood people that do that, that record the game uh, and, and don't want it spoiled for them. My cousin used to do that, and it would just drive me insane. Um, but as a lifelong Rams fan, anybody that follows me on Twitter knows I love football. I watch every game in the... Uh, however many games there are in a season. Um, <laughs> my favorite thing about, you know, the Rams is they just throw the ball and tackle really well. And uh, I'm really, I'm really happy. I, I thought it was a good game. I was kind of rooting for the, against the Rams for a second there because I watch the Super Bowl every year, but the only way I can get myself to be interested in the Super Bowl is uh, if you couldn't tell, because I, I don't like football. I don't watch football um, <laughs> is uh, doing those Super Bowl squares. And oh. so my numbers this year were Bengals four Rams three. And I was like, yes, let's get a 14, a three or wh- whatever. Many combinations. 14, 13 was on the table at one point. Too. Yeah. And I was, I was prepared. Um, and it, it just, it didn't happen. The Bengals ended up kicking a field goal, for, uh, to put the game at, uh, what was it? 13, 10. Yep. Giant bummer. Uh, but at least they won the Super Bowl. There's a good amount of fireworks here. Uh, last time I heard fireworks, uh, was I think the Dodgers winning the world series. And then right before then the Lakers winning a championship. Not a bad past few years for, for fans of Los Angeles sports. Yeah. Uh, I'm most happy for lifelong Rams fans like yourself. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I'm kind of the same way I've drifted away from uh, NFL, but I mean, who doesn't watch the Super Bowl every year? Um, I, a lot of my friends and family are Bengals fans because I grew up an hour from Cincinnati. Uh, so, admittedly, I would have wanted the Bengals to win. But I wasn't really rooting for anything. Uh, it's it's fun to watch the the performances in those games. Cooper Cup was awesome. Uh, Aaron Donald is makes no sense like physically. Um, so it's fun to watch, um, obviously, as well. What was your favorite commercial of the night? Ooh, not including trailers. Yeah, I haven't watched the uh, the trailer yet. I So this is an actual 
uh, spoiler, maybe. I don't even know if it's in theaters still. Uh, so if you have not seen Spider-Man No Way Home, I guess fast forward like a minute, maybe. Um, but after, so in, in the No Way Home post credit scene, there was a Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness teaser trailer. If you stayed after the credits, many of our mutual friends <laughs> did not stay after the credits to watch the teaser trailer. Uh, so if if you've been to Marvel movies, you know to stay. And I did. And I wasn't I wasn't super sold. The trailer that came out during the Super Bowl, I could not be more excited. Dare I say, I am more excited for this movie than I was Spider-Man. Ooh, that's that's uh that's I don't know if I go that far. Um <laughs> it's a hot take. I understand. Yeah, yeah. I my I there weren't I didn't love a lot of the commercials this year, but I did laugh a couple times at the one um, with uh, Scarlett Johansson, uh, Colin Yost, the uh, mind reader one. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I laughed at that a couple times. That was one of my favorites. Um, yeah, it was awesome. The, the halftime performance was amazing. Uh, that was it was almost like a tease. Everybody just kind of doing one song and yeah. then moving on to the next one. Uh, it was still it still went really long obviously but it felt like a bit of a tease but it was kind of one of those moments as well as uh as i was watching it and as i got to the end and everybody's on stage and i realized how many people dr trey has worked with and just like how influentially like i knew he had worked with all those people but it was more like seeing them all on stage together it was like oh damn like <laughs> that's a lot of really really powerful kind of musicians and whatnot so the halftime show was incredible. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was an enjoyable Super Bowl this year. I, I say that as a neutral. If you were a Rams fan, it probably wasn't enjoyable for for most of that like second half, fourth quarter. But as a neutral, it was really fun. Yeah, Fifty Cent was a pleasant surprise. I think they left a lot on the table in terms of not just the songs that they didn't play, but like the artists they didn't bring out. I fully was expecting some type of NWA like reunion at the halftime show. I also Anderson Pack was on the drums. Dr. Dre and Anderson Pack made a whole record together. And I would have paid and oh, Anderson Pack has a song with Snoop Dogg on that record that I would have loved for them to play. It's a deep cut. So I wasn't expecting it. Uh, but yeah, overall, the Larry David uh, Super Bowl commercial, I was also a pretty big fan of. That was funny. Love Larry David and everything he's in. Uh, and the cuddle, there were like uh, videos of LeBron James dancing to the halftime show. <laughs> and I want to say as, as much as I enjoyed it, I don't think there's anybody in the world that enjoys live music as much as LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I saw a couple of them. I was laughing at them. That's exactly what I would imagine LeBron would have been doing during that is dancing along <laughs> in like, incorrectly saying every five words to the song as he just kind of mumbles along as he loves to do on his uh instagram stories when a new album comes out just him rapping along to the songs uh but no it yeah i i naively asked in our uh, slack earlier in the day is lebron gonna be there and like as soon as i said i was like well surely yeah, Harrison immediately like, are you serious? Obviously, he's going to be there. So uh, I was a little surprised. I'm pretty sure I saw Rich Paul in one of the videos 
was a little surprised Adele wasn't there, though I think she's like on tour right now. So uh, that's probably why. But um, yeah, I, LeBron being there, uh, dancing along like the dorky guy he can be is uh, exactly what I expected him to do. Adele was in one of those like big dioramas waiting to do her like <laughs> thing with Dr. Dre. You know, their famed song together, Dr. Dre. I was going to say, I, that would be a collab <laughs> I would not remotely expect. It would be very interesting. Uh, LeBron James' Sunday evening was a lot better than his Saturday evening. And that was because LeBron James, uh, even though he had a historic night Saturday night, became the all-time leading scorer, including playoffs uh, and post, uh, playoffs and regular season, passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, which is a crazy stat. Even when yep. you take into account that Kareem played all four years of college, like, what LeBron's doing is incredible. We should probably talk about it more, because I feel like a lot of the times, uh, I, I'll, I'll only speak for myself, but I'm guilty of when LeBron James does silly stuff like this, that it's almost like LeBron did this, you know, historic thing, put up 30, 20, and 20, whatever. Uh, anyway, let's talk about how great Malik Monk was because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so pedestrian now. He does it so often. Um, but Saturday night was definitely one of those nights where I was like, wow, this is great. Like the, the type of history we're witnessing with LeBron James right now uh, is incredible. It's ongoing. And then, you know, it just came crashing back to reality. Yeah, I mean, I'm guilty of it, too, in that, um, as as Kevin O'Connor always says, don't take LeBron James for granted. Uh, this wasn't this accomplishment wasn't something that was on my radar. I didn't even know we were coming up on it. It's always about the regular season point total that he's chasing Kareem down for. Um so I wasn't even expecting this. I don't know that many people were. I hadn't even, I mean, obviously I hadn't even seen anything about it. Um, he's remarkable. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's always those stats where it's like uh, he's reached X number of thousand points, rebounds and assists, and only two people have done it. And it's Will Chamberlain and Kareem or Oscar Robertson or somebody like that. And it's like, you read that and then you're like, yeah, but why is Avery Bradley getting more minutes than Austin Reeds? And it's, we just kind of move right past a it. A fair point, it, especially yeah. that was an apt point to make uh, on Saturday night. But like, again, we're doing it again. We'll get into that. <laughs> uh, I think LeBron James deserves uh, some time to talk about his accomplishments. And um, I mean, Saturday night was definitely the night for it. The only thing that put a damper in it, I will say, <laughs> is uh, he had an opportunity, uh, a golden opportunity, I'll say, because he shouldn't have been at the free throw line in the first place. Yeah. Uh, but he had a golden opportunity to give the Lakers, tie the game up for the Lakers with three free throws because he was, quote, unquote, fouled uh, <laughs> at the three-point line uh, against the Warriors. And uh, he missed the first one made the second one, and then had to miss the third one to get the rebound, which they almost did. No, no, no. I mean, they, Not he, they almost he did, did. He, he did. did get the he rebound. He had a shot up. And um, <laughs> I was watching it uh, with my girlfriend, Sarah, and she was like half interested. And when LeBron threw his 
like buzzer beating heave up while looking at her phone she goes oh no (laughs) (laughs) i uh a lot of the how do i word this the dialogue around lebron and whether he's clutch or not uh is silly uh that being said I had very little faith he was going to make all three of those free throws. Uh, he uh, he has struggles at the line, and uh, having him or needing him to make all three uh, was – I didn't have a lot of faith. Um, I was watching the game on mute, and I had absolutely no idea what happened on that foul call. And then LeBron went to the line, and it made no sense uh judging by what i saw on twitter people listening not on mute didn't have any idea what happened either um yeah i mean he was we said all the nice things about lebron he was not good in the fourth quarter on saturday yeah he uh he went one for ten in the fourth quarter from the field missed all three of his threes uh one for three at the line one of those was intentionally missed so um it was brutal. That was a golden opportunity, as you said, to steal a game against the Thunder. Um, it didn't help that Clay went, I mean, prime Clay. Like, it's cool to see him back, but like, really, dude, against the Lakers, you couldn't have done that against anybody else. Um, he, but yeah, the it was so frustrating because there's, it didn't feel like the Lakers should have been in that game, but they were right there. And then you're like, well, are they really going to steal this game? And it was just a frustrating way to end it. Uh, THT though, Austin Reeves, Malik Monk, all were incredible. Russ played well. Like there wasn't even a, an argument over whether he should have closed the game or not. I, I just randomly noticed with like two minutes left that Russ was still in the game. Um, which I guess is a good thing because there's a lot of times when I notice Russ is in the game and it's not for good reasons. Um, so I thought, ironically, everybody but LeBron and AD played well, yeah. almost universally speaking. And it's frustrating because, I mean, there's been a lot of times where it's LeBron and AD and no one else, and it just can't seem to get everybody on the right page right now. But like in a vacuum, it's an encouraging game post-trade deadline but there's nothing this team has done that makes me believe this is something they're going to build on either this season yeah there there have definitely been games where it seemed like the lakers can build off of this and then they just don't like that jazz win is one that stands out as one the lakers should have came back from a stronger team uh they kind of just didn't and Sunday will more than likely be that again uh, because the roster is the same as it was before the trade deadline because they did not make a move. We'll talk about that a little more later. Um, But I do think there is something to the idea that the Lakers are a little more locked in now that the trade deadline has passed Um, because a lot of these guys were in trade negotiation. Like, Mm -hmm. I wasn't certain they were going to make a blockbuster move by any means, but I thought at least 
two or three guys would not be on the roster past the trade deadline as a result of like a salary dump or a two for one trade, all of which, except the salary dumps. I, I don't think there was a report saying that the Lakers were trying to send cash and Kent Bazemore anywhere, uh, which was interesting to me. But other than that, like we did hear they were interested in deals in which they'd send multiple players out and it just didn't materialize either because they didn't want to include their first round pick or for financial reasons, whatever. Now that that has passed, their names are practically out of the rumor mill. Uh, They can focus a little more on what they have, not what they don't have. And, you know, guys can start figuring out what their roles are on this team because unless the buyout market provides a difference maker, which it's not looking like it will. um, These are the guys they have. So LeBron said something about them being the most connected they've been in a long time. And when LeBron says those type of things, I don't think they're by accident. I think it's very intentional. And um, so I'm, I'm, Cautiously optimistic that there will be some things different, at, at least from a like a focus standpoint with this team. Beyond beyond that, <laughs> I don't know. Like it's it's like I said, this this is the same team it was before the trade deadline. So I think focus is and energy level, focus, effort, whatever you want to call it, has been a big issue with this team, and nothing highlighted that more than their loss against the trailblazers. That was since LeBron's been here. I think that's one of the worst losses the Lakers have had. Um, But like, even if they are locked in playing at their best, I'm just uncertain that these guys, this roster is going to get them to the heights that they want to get to. I'm curious as to whether you feel the same. A couple things. Uh, one, my favorite moment that was supposedly going to spark this team that didn't was when they came back against the Detroit Pistons after LeBron got thrown out of the game. And that was supposed to be the turning point in their season. And they all like collectively said that after the game to the point where I was like, well, I have to write about this, even though this is a very silly thing to say is your turning point. It wasn't the turning point. Uh, that Portland loss, I agree. One of the worst losses. Honestly, the it, it reminded me of the loss in LeBron's first season where he came back, said he was activating playoff mode. They went to Phoenix and got absolutely destroyed. And LeBron inbounded the ball off the bottom of the backboard. And that whole fiasco. Uh, that is what Wednesday reminded me of. And I remember thinking like there's just no way that they can keep this team as is Thursday (laughs) we're sitting there waiting and waiting pour one out for Harrison who wrote so many pre-writes for (laughs) various players the Lakers may trade away may trade for he and I are sitting there waiting waiting and about five minutes before the deadline I messaged him and said oh my god they're really not going to trade anybody And I was stunned, to be honest, like even if it was just swapping a 
perceived bad player for bad player doing a trade or two of like that. It just didn't seem like this. They could really keep this team as is after what they did against Portland. Um, I would say the argument was basically that there's nothing that they could have done to this team that would have fixed anything. So that they determine largely speaking that they weren't going to sacrifice any short-term assets to move from the ninth seed in the playing game to the eighth seed in the playing game, basically. Um, and you can debate as to how much of a asset a 2027 first or a Taylor Horton Tucker is right now, but they're an asset. I know fans are frustrated with Taylor trading him at the absolute lowest value he's ever been at is bad asset management. And I was going to write a, a couple different articles I had in mind, except last week was too busy with Russ going nuclear as well. Um, one of them was that I, I don't know that I would trade Taylor. Like there just wasn't anything you were going to do with this team um, that was going to fix all the issues that they had and trading Taylor at his lowest value is it just doesn't make sense. And it's probably not a coincidence then that kind of, as you were saying, the guys that were in the trade rumors were the ones that played well on Saturday. Talon had a really good game. Uh, he had 17 points off the bench, hit three threes. Russ, we said, had 19 points, seven rebounds, five assists. It was an impactful triple-double. Uh, he was a plus two, which was one of the better uh, marks for the Lakers. LeBron was a minus 11. Um, and it was guys like that who um, had been kind of in the trade rumors and the buyout rumors uh, Avery Bradley played decently. Um, he, I mean, moving him back to the starting lineup is whatever. The excuse was almost certainly that he was going to guard Steph. Um, it was whatever, but he didn't play horribly. And I also think that at this point, they're aware that this is what they have. So if you were told to play on Saturday, that means your spot is pretty much I don't want to say cemented by any means, but like yeah. you're somebody the team's going to rely upon now moving forward. And it's the other guys that didn't play your Wayne Ellington's Dwight Howard's Deandre's Kent Bazemore's that are going to be bought out and be the guys who are replaced. So there's a certain freedom that does come with the trade deadline passing these guys being on the team, knowing kind of that they're going to have a role for the next 20 some odd games. I don't remember exactly how many games are left now and that this team is, is going to move forward with them at least in the, in the short term. So I agree that in a vacuum, it seems like this would be freeing and the Lakers were saying that it sounds like they had a really good practice on Friday. I mean, we've heard them say many times that they've had a good practice and come out and it didn't matter. Um, they played well, obviously on Saturday, so it did kind of matter, but I mean, I thought AD just had a really kind of humanizing quote in a way where he was talking about when you're in these trade rumors, you're thinking about like, not just what your role is on the, on the, on the team or what team you're going to, but the fact you're moving to another city, that's almost certainly across the country in some way. And 
Um, you have to move your family potentially, and you have to get all these things. And that's just a lot to, to just carry around. And um, so having that pass and not having to worry about that certainly mentally is freeing. Maybe that's why the Lakers played like they did on Saturday. I'm also to the point that they're just, they very much just need to show me that things are going to be different before I believe in any way that this was not just them kind of playing to the level of their opponent. Um, they don't always do that. Milwaukee embarrassed them, but they played to the level of Portland and that's why they lost. Uh, they can get up for some of these bigger games at times. So I'm still in like wait and see improve it mode, but there is an argument there that this could be, some type of turning point of sorts on the season. And um, maybe this does mean something moving forward. I'm not sure. I think we'll probably have to wait and see on that one. Um, Darius Soriano wrote something good for the site about the Lakers standing pat at the trade deadline uh, because they knew no move this team could make would make them a contender. I agree with that. Uh, the thing is, while that may be true, I think the thing that makes me upset about the trade deadline, uh, while also acknowledging that, is the Lakers would have been in a better position had they just paid people this summer. Or Oh, yeah. Or just like manage their assets a little bit better. The two that stand out to me, and I wrote about it um, Saturday, Friday, whatever it was, um, are Dennis Schroeder and Alex Grusso. Because the reason that the Lakers didn't make a trade at the deadline was because they didn't have the assets to. Mm -hmm. But I also think the reason the Lakers didn't make a trade at the deadline was because the little assets they did have last year, I think would have gotten them a pretty good package. Like it probably would have got them Kyle, Kyle Lowry if they included THT. Right. And, you know, Taylor, Kendrick Nunn, and a first. I understand Kendrick Nunn was on a different team, but let's just say in a fantasy world, Taylor, Kendrick Nunn, and the 2027 first were on the table last year uh, with the position that the Lakers were in last year. And we're assuming all things are equal. Talon's value is as high as it is or low, uh, however you want to look at it as it is right now. Kendrick Nunn hasn't played it all season. Essentially, you're trading for a season and a half of him, maybe. Even in that context, I think the Lakers would have gotten better than what they were almost settled for this year. And that's because teams know they're desperate. Every team in the league knew the Lakers had some sort of pressure internally, externally to make a move and teams weren't just going to give them their player uh, for that package. Like they knew they could squeeze, or at least they thought they could squeeze that first round pick out of them. Um, they couldn't, I don't blame the Lakers for not wanting to include that, that first round pick because as you said, and as Darius wrote, like, if they did, it probably would have been a marginal move at best. Uh, 
And so I, I don't blame them for that. It's just this team, especially, it's really hard to talk about the current state of the team without talking about the moves that led to the situation that they're in. Uh, I do think the buyout market's going to be a real stinker. You can argue that, um, actually, no, you can't. I was going to say, you can argue that, you know, the Lakers may get better by subtracting DeAndre Jordan and Kent Bazemore from the roster, but those guys aren't playing. Like it's been a while since DeAndre Jordan and Kent Bazemore have made an impact negative or positive on this team. And the only player I can really see an argument for, you know, addition by subtraction is Avery Bradley. But I'm not like, I don't know how many anywhere. I don't know how many players are going to be available on the buyout market that knowing how highly Avery or Frank Vogel views Avery Bradley that will play over Avery Bradley. I think Gary Harris is one that stands out to me as somebody who could potentially play over Avery Bradley, but I also think he's somebody that at least in his current form has the same case that Malik Monk has against him in starting in the starting lineup, which is you're not strong enough defensively to play alongside Russell Westbrook. Now is Avery Bradley that player? No, but Frank Vogel seems to think he still can be and uh, you know, whether or not his defense is performative or not, which is my favorite way I've heard Avery Bradley's <laughs> uh, defense described. I do think there is something to the amount of effort it looks like he's playing defense with. And so I don't know, like, call me a pessimist, but I don't, I don't see things getting much better from here for the Lakers. And I think that is the worst part about all of this is understanding things are the way that they are but also understanding um like they're probably going to be like this for the rest of the season my concern is why would a buyout player come to this version of the lakers versus the milwaukee bucks or the celtics have a bunch of open picks i know that they are a little bit lower, but I mean, there's, there's more potential with the Celtics right now, I would say. Um, I, I just am worried that the players aren't going to want to come to the Lakers because this is a really bad team. Like maybe you're really optimistic. Maybe you think once they get no playoff series, LeBron and AD are going to be able to make things competitive. I can see that, but like, there's talks of Goran Dragic. Um, I would love him in LA. He, you can't start him with Russ, and if he shows up, that is a ticking time bomb for Russ because Dragic is going to close games over Russ, and that is going to cause problems, I would imagine. Uh, if Gary Harris is bought out, he could come to the Lakers. I. I, he's been good enough defensively that maybe Vogel sees him. I mean, he has experience. Well, I don't know if he did. He, maybe he didn't coach him in Orlando, um, but he, 
he's been good enough defensively. Maybe he does play, but you're kind of a bit piece role player with a ninth seeded team in the Western Conference, or you could go to Milwaukee for a title contender and be the same type of role player, maybe a little bit less minutes, but you have a much better shot at winning a title. And that's going to be, I'm not any of those buyout guys, obviously. They're all going to maybe value things differently, but the the Lakers need wing players. Every team wants wing players. It's going to be an argument of why would I go to the Lakers when I could go to a title contender? And I'm not even sure what other title contenders have roster spots. I, I just specifically know the Bucks and the Celtics do. That's why I reference them. I'm sure others do. Others can create roster spots. And I just don't know if that is a competition that the Lakers are going to win this, uh, this kind of buyout season, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how much different this team's going to look. There, I, I laugh at the reports of Dennis Schroeder coming back. Uh, that, I felt like that bridge was nuked. And I would be stunned if he came back. Uh, the Lakers do need a backup point guard. There were long stretches of last season where Schroeder looked like he was worth $84 million, but it just feels like that bridge was just absolutely destroyed last season. And I maybe the Lakers not even like offering an olive branch and bringing him back. And as you kind of said, that was a maybe a wasted asset that they could have signed and traded and, it just didn't really seem like they had any interest in that. Um, I don't know. I'd be really surprised if Schroeder came back. But there also just aren't going to be a lot of names, I don't think, that are going to be too appealing on the buyout market either. I haven't looked too deeply into it. Uh, I know one of the names Lakers fans really wanted, I was a little hesitant on, was Thad Young and someone like that. I believe he went to Toronto where he's going to actually play. Um, so I don't, I just don't know how many guys are going to be available. And I don't know why they would come to the Lakers if I'm being quite frank, because this is a bad basketball team and um, you got a really big uphill battle. If you come to the Lakers right now to, to be a title contender. I agree uh, for the most part. I think the Lakers do have a legitimate uh, case for somebody that's looking to get paid this summer. We like Gary Harris in particular is somebody I think the Lakers can go to and say, listen, you can have a starting job on a team with Russell Westbrook, LeBron James and Anthony Davis uh, play 25, 30 minutes a night, likely close games. And if all goes well, if you really are the missing piece, like we think you are, we think we have as good of a chance as anybody in the postseason. I think that's a pretty strong argument. Uh, because playing with LeBron James, anybody that gets like can knock down open shots, whether it's Gary Harris or DeAndre Bembry, like mm-hmm. those are guys that can benefit financially uh, from from playing with LeBron. So I think there's a there's a genuine argument there, but injuries do happen, and you know Pat Connaughton went down for the Bucks, I believe, the day we are recording uh, the morning earlier today and i think yeah if you're gary harris or 
Goran Dragic. You look at those situations and go, hmm, those those are more appealing uh, situations yeah. than what the Lakers have right now. The Nuggets are the team that I'm also interested in the Gary Harris sweepstakes because there's obviously a relationship there. Uh, and, and the Nuggets have a bit of a hole to fill at their guard spots with Jamal Murray still out. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. In terms of buyout competition, I think this is the stiffest the Lakers have faced since LeBron James has been in L.A. Like, I'm trying to think since he's been here, who's really been available. Uh, Andre Drummond was one of the big ones last year. So was so too was Lamarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin. Although Blake that Gr- was, I think that was earlier in the year. I don't think that was during the buyout season per se. And you know the tricky thing about those, though. But I mean, the Lakers felt differently. But at, at least from looking at the roster from the outside, I thought the Nets, and I think it was the Knicks, uh, who also had interested in Andre Drummond. And were like I, I think had a similar pitch as the Lakers, the Nets especially, by telling him like, "Look, we have a hole at center position. You'll play a ton uh, if you come here." With the Lakers, they have Montrezl Harold, Marcus All, and is going to play the bulk of his minutes at center in the playoffs. Why would you sign with them? So it's interesting. I can't I can't psychoanalyze what free agents are thinking, but I do think there is still something to the idea that the like being the missile missing piece to the big three and and being what makes it work uh is appealing to a free agent i'm hoping that's the case because if not ugh, lakers are, are screwed if they don't get at least one difference maker on the buyout market man like the the bottom half of the roster is just atrocious and that the argument you're making is certainly the argument that the Lakers are going to make to these guys is come be the missing piece. They can just point at Stanley Johnson and say, look, if you try as hard as him, if you can be in the right spots, you're going to get minutes. Um, Stanley Johnson came in and is in the starting lineup. And you can point at a situation like that and say, look, if you do this, um, you can come in and help us. So it's going to be interesting to see. I'm looking at some of the buyout candidates now. We've mentioned most of the names. Eric Bledsoe, he's a clutch guy. Um, He has a partial guarantee for next year, but um, it will be interesting to see if the Blazers work out something with him. It seems like the Lakers are in the market for a backup point guard. Eric Bledsoe doesn't really fit the needs the Lakers have, which is kind of shooting, and he doesn't do that. Um, so I, we'll see there, but I mean, they're interested reportedly in Dennis Schroeder and we saw his shooting last season. So maybe that isn't something they value too much. Robin Lopez potentially, uh, though it doesn't really sound like, doesn't really feel like, I guess he, he could be a bad guy. The one name that if I were betting, uh, who I think the Lakers would end up in the buyout market. I would say probably Tristan Thompson. Uh, the Pacers have like, I think genuinely four centers on the roster and he makes sense to be the one bought out. Cause 
The other three are younger. Once Miles Turner comes back, I could see him being bought out. They have Gogo Patazde and Isaiah Jackson. Those latter two both are they've been drafted within the last couple of years. Um, he obviously has a, a relationship with LeBron. LeBron was talking trash to him in a Kings game earlier this season. Um, there's a relationship there. If I had to bet, he would be a guy that um, that would be the right fit in terms of he can do things better than DeAndre. A lot, like pretty much most centers on the market can, to be honest. But is that really changing the trajectory of this team too much? Like maybe, I mean, the Lakers have committed to this small ball and like Tristan is not that. He can give you, he can rebound really well still and he can give you those kind of minutes. But like, do the Lakers even need that or want that right now? Um, I don't know. I mean, if you're bringing him in, you're probably making the Lakers love to make buyout guys promises. So you're probably telling him that you're going to use him. Um, we'll see, but yeah, there just isn't a really big buyout market and the Lakers aren't in a great spot to pitch to these free agents or guys when they become free agents that they can come here and make a difference. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of optimism. I did. I wasn't very optimistic about this team after the trade deadline, because I kind of foresaw this, that this is just a team that isn't great right now. And uh, I just, I, I don't see that being too appealing to buy out guys. I would love to be wrong. I sound, I sound a lot like Anthony there. I'd love to be wrong. Uh, but I, I don't, I'm generally a pretty optimistic person and I just wasn't optimistic about this. I think the Lakers are effectively, they're not going to admit it and they're not going to start trying, but I think they've just kind of punted this season a bit. Uh, they'll try to sign buyout guys, but I thought that trade deadline of them not doing anything was them kind of admitting we screwed up. There's nothing we can do to fix this team. We're not going to mortgage the future in any way. We'll readjust in the summer and try to figure some things out. I don't know. What's Here's a question. What's more? Who's more likely to play for the Lakers first? A buyout player? Or Kendrick Nunn. Wow, you're try- you're really trying to bum me out. Uh, <laughs> pro- probably a buyout guy. Like in a best case scenario, where it is a Gary Harris or a Goran Dragic, or to a much lesser extent, an Eric Bledsoe. I know you are not his biggest fan, and I do not blame you. Uh, I used to be a, a big Bledsoe guy. I met him at Disneyland once, uh, actually. We were both wearing the same, like, Monsters University hat. And he saw me looking at him. And he walked up to me. He's like, hey, nice hat. I was like, thanks. You too. <laughs> and we took a picture together. He was wearing uh, his Invisalign. I was wearing my braces. I, th- I thought that was another thing that uh, brought us together. Uh, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, aside from that, you do, are are you going to be in the on the recruiting pitch to bring Eric Bledsoe <laughs> to the Lakers? Yeah, I'm going to wear the hat. He's going to be like, oh, "It's you, the guy that wore the Monsters University hat, one of many at Disneyland." Um, yeah, I was going to say probably the only person he saw that day in a Monsters <laughs> University hat. But uh, yeah, just watching him in the postseason with the Bucks, um, I do think he is a victim in the same way that Avery Bradley is, is that in that his coaches just leave him out there for way too long. It's like, 
him, Bradley and Montrose Harrell are guys that I'm just like, man, if somebody just knew how to get just the right amount out of you, you'd be a fan favorite. But because Doc Rivers likes to play Montrose Harrell like <laughs> 17 minutes straight, yeah, people get sick of him. So I will say our own Sabrina was a fan of Bledsoe on the Clippers. And there is a way to use him to where he gets value. I watched him on that Pelicans team where, granted, he was put in a position that could not have been worse for his skill set, where he was told, we need a guard and he's going to have to shoot threes. And Eric Bledsoe (laughs) does not shoot threes. And so it went horribly. And he checked out on that team. But the lasting memory I have of him is in that Knicks game when he was with the Pelicans where the Pelicans were up three late. Stan Van Gundy had called a timeout, told the team, we want to foul up three. They come out of the timeout. Eric Bledsoe admitted after the game he did not listen during the timeout, did not foul up three, and the Knicks hit a three-pointer to tie the game and then won in overtime. And, I mean, I'm sure his motivation would be a lot higher for the Lakers than it was for that Pelicans team. But that that was a long year of watching him for the Pelicans. It is not irrational, just like I have. I should put that out there. It is not rational, but that was a frustrating season. And he was at the end of a lot of the frustrating plays of that season. Uh, I also just generally don't think he would be a great fit. I mean, you're. I just told you he doesn't do well in a system where they need the point guard to shoot threes and knock down open shots. And that's what the Lakers need their guards to do. So uh, I would not recommend he sign there, but again, he's a clutch guy. So maybe it doesn't matter. I, uh, I wouldn't call it hate, but the same like uh, distaste I have for Kendrick Nunn, I I think is similar to your Eric Bledsoe in the sense that I get how he'd help this team. Uh, But like even me being in that camp with Kendrick Nunn, just the thought of like a five out lineup that doesn't include like one of Russell Westbrook or Taylor Horton Tucker being on the floor at all times sounds so wonderful because <laughs> we've seen, we've seen 80 lineups uh, 80 at the center lineups with like Stanley Johnson, Russell Westbrook, Taylor Horton Tucker and Austin Reeves, which is awful. Like, what is the there's point of playing lineup, Anthony Davis at center at that point? Might as well just have a rim protector that doesn't shoot. If there's a lineup where Stanley Johnson is the second best three point shooter in it, <laughs> it's not a good lineup. So, yeah, I don't like this. I, I think I want to end this uh, podcast <laughs> uh, before it gets more depressing. Yeah, we'll see where we are uh, next week. Uh, but it'll if, be uh, middle of the All Star break, so it'll be after the All Star game. So at least we'll have a a good LeBron James game to talk about, presumably uh, in a week's time. No rising stars. Austin Reeves snubbed, and I don't think any other Lakers in the All Star festivities. Like, no, some... I thought I thought Anthony Davis had a pretty decent chance at being named a a reserve, like fill in, basically. But I mean, fortunately, nobody else got hurt. Uh, so there was a story right after the reserves were announced that AD's wife was ecstatic that he isn't going to be in the all-star game for the <laughs> first time ever. Cause his rookie year, he wasn't on the team, but he was in the, uh, the rookie sophomore game. I believe it was at the time. So, 
I'm not against the Lakers just trying to get healthy and making one last really good push at this. They only have one game this upcoming week on Wednesday. Uh, so they're going to have a really long time to just get themselves right and come out of the all-star break. And that's it. Like they have to make the push then or it's not coming. So uh, that's, I mean, I guess that's a positive about the next two weeks is that this team should be a hundred percent healthy by then aside from Kendrick Nunn. And that's, that's when the push has to come and they're all going to know it. Let me ask you this. Let's end on this. Will there be roster movement during the all-star break? Uh, yeah, that, that would make sense as a time to kind of sort some of that buyout stuff out. So I, I would imagine one, maybe two guys are bought out for the Lakers during this, that kind of two weeks, week and a half time. I agree. And maybe that'll be something we talk about on next week's show. If not, we'll at least have all-star stuff to talk about. Uh, and hopefully like a win. I, I, I don't even know who they're playing on, uh, Wednesday. They play the Jazz Wednesday, so hey, oh, you know, always, optimistic. you know, it's kind of the Lakers putting up a fight against the Jazz because uh, I guess nobody in the NBA like s- seeing Rudy Gobert in the paint just gives players all the confidence. Stanley Johnson cooked him last time the Lakers played, and <laughs> in his post game press conference, he was like, N- "Yeah, not I- just cooked him; they targeted him." Yeah, and his like reasoning—I forgot who he said he talked to uh or he he watched something where they talked about just going straight at him and uh he took that advice and it worked and i don't know it seems to work for anthony davis and like over the past few years the lakers just haven't had many problems to jazz so um let's hope for a win if not we'll try to bring the good vibes uh so we'll we'll, we'll talk to you then